I mean, so, so just look, just just think about it. So what would 1% of 100,000 be? It would be... Uh, thousand. It would be a single, a single thousand, right? The More Than Just Code podcast may contain material that is offensive to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 49 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by my co-host Aaron Bay in Whippy, Ontario. Hello there. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And of course we have Dr. Mark Rubin down there in San Jose, California. Hey everybody. Cool. Um... Yeah, but we talked about this last week. This is a nice follow-up piece, actually, about who buys the iPod Touch and sure. proposing that it's uh, appropriate for children, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is the very position that I'm in, um, because it's just a great game tool and streams YouTube and music, and you know it's only 250 bucks, right? So you know it's actually, uh, I think it's an outstanding value for iOS, um, and I'm I'm delighted that it's out there. Well, so, even for testing, it's, it's oh yeah, that too. You know, point, who could right? Who could ignore that? Indeed. Um, and then he mentions also the iPad Nano and Shuffle as, as you know, what, what their interest would be. I'm still not persuaded on the iPad Nano, iPod Nano, which is like a, you know, 50 bucks less than the iPod Touch and is just basically a music player. Um, and this guy is saying that uh, that's only old people buy it. Mm. So... Take that for what it will. I don't know what it means, but it's simple enough, I guess. Maybe that's the thing, is that it's it does one thing, you know? You had one job! Play music! <laughs> but cost $150. You know, that thing, I don't, cannot fathom it costing $150. Blows my mind. Yeah, that, se- that just seems to be... And that's U.S. Like, dollars, by the way. But that's old people buying that, though, according to this article. $800 in Kanakistan bucks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but then the money, shuffle... <laughs> Yeah, the shuffle is just, uh, he's, it's hilarious because he's, he calls it the, I'm buying this as a gift iPod. You know, because it's 50 bucks, mm. um, people buy it for others as a gift. And that's what this guy was, was saying is that he's, he's only ever sold them when people are buying them from other people. So he assumes that a lot of them are sitting in desk drawers somewhere. <laughs> um, stocking stuffers for Christmas. Yeah, it's a yeah. good stocking stuffer. Mm. But nobody actually wants one. They want to give them to others. Hired.com has given us a code to share with you. Hired is the first two-sided marketplace created specifically for developers, designers, and product managers who are overwhelmed with job opportunities, just like us. They believe finding a career should be transparent, unbiased, and controlled by you, the talent. Their marketplace features vetted and funded companies extending interview requests, a dedicated talent advocate, and a $2,000 signing bonus. U.S. dollars, I'm sure. Their mission is to make hiring or getting hired less painful. Use the URL hired.com slash more than just code, and they'll double the signing bonus to a wicked 4000 US dollars, approximately 800000 Canadian dollars. <laughs> Thank you to hired.com for sponsoring the More Than Just Code podcast. Alrighty. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty amazing deal. Yeah, I'm giving it a test drive right now. We'll see how it goes. So far, so good. 
Let us know. So I guess th these are for J-O-B jobs, right? Like the, the kind of job that, you know, you, you are full-time employed and going into an office and doing those sort of things. Well, apparently they are for remote and contract as part-time as well, but uh, depends on your market. Like they just opened the Toronto office so in January, I think, so they don't have many uh, remote or part-time jobs in Toronto yet. Okay. But um, in in markets like Seattle and Boston and uh, San Francisco, you know, in the, in the Valley, they, they obviously have all kinds of things, right? So as Mark sure. can attest. Cool. You know, yeah. So it's interesting. You, you get a um, talent agent that works with you and, and you put your resume in. It looks very similar to what you do in, in LinkedIn. You pick your poisons in terms of what kind of uh, OSs and languages you speak. And uh, they apparently present you with choices and you choose who you want to be presented to and then they open up the uh, thing or in some cases you get like an, an invitation to an interview kind of thing so so my profile Sounds went like live monday and i'll let you know that's cool uh, it's it's interesting they cover the areas that you would think of when you think about tech right san mm -hmm. fran you know the bay area of course la seattle new york boston austin of course chicago mm -hmm. hot Atlanta. san diego was a little surprising to me a little surprising on that one. London, of course, Toronto, and the Washington, D.C. area. There's a lot of tech in San Diego. Um, cool. A little bit more uh, hardware-oriented. People like Qualcomm are down there. Mm. But mm, uh, okay. but there's still a lot. There's still a lot going on. Hmm. Where's San Diego? Is that California? or? Yeah, it's, it's California. It's right on the Mexico border, basically. It's all the way uh, south okay. of California. Mm. There was an article by Craig Hockenberry mm -hmm. this uh, last, just today, I think, it came out, where he's slagging the Mac App Store. Yeah, I saw that. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of keeps in with Jaime's post about the uh, fact that you can't, you can't do uh, reviews anymore from beta software. Well, you can't on the device, but oh. apparently you can in iTunes. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Wait, so you can do it from Yosemite, right, right? then? I'm sorry, yeah, oh, copy beta time. Yosemite. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So do we know how our apps are running on iOS 9 beta? Well, my own apps are uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, others? Who knows, you know? Yeah. I, I, I've seen bugs. No idea. Yeah. You know, I'm running it on my iPad, and so I'm, I'm looking at uh, certain apps that eh, just don't quite behave right necessarily, but they're not necessarily crashing on boot, which is nice to see. Mm -hmm. um, not that I would do anything about it anyway. Obviously, you don't want to uh, incriminate a developer for not having an updated beta um, or running on the beta, rather. Makes well, that's no true, but but for some reason, the public or the people who do run on the beta don't, you know, respect that, right? Because they still manage to put one star reviews up, and one star reviews are impossible to, you know, come back from, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's true, you know. But um, law of averages, right? They, once you get once you get a one star review, it drags your whole your average will never go back up again, right? Right. It's generally a positive thing for the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I won't say it's impossible to come back from a one star review. It's it's tough, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you have to get a lot of um, a lot of positive ones. That's right. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, notwithstanding your latest effort, but. You know how do you, how do you find like what kind of numbers or reviews are you getting for the other apps that you produce? Uh, like, it varies all over the map. Although in yeah. general, it's it's roughly, I don't know. Um, you get one review for you talking about numbers of reviews or or yeah yeah, stars. yeah overall yeah yeah it varies from 
you know, a rule of thumb of, of a review for every thousand or so users. Although yeah. that's, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although that, that's not always the case, because I'm thinking of recent stuff, and it's actually, that's kind of conservative. Yeah. Um, it used to be that way, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, because I, you know, some of my apps, I've got a handful of reviews lifetime, and they've been up for three or four years now, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but some of my more popular clients and more popular apps obviously have a lot more reviews than that, right? So I would expect that OfferUp would have quite a few because it's a sort of a, a going concern, right? Well, let's see. So this is publicly available information, so it should be fine. So current version, which we <laughs> released, oh my God, it's been a long week. When did we release this one? <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at the notes. The twenty oh Monday, that's right. So we have fifty-two <laughs> reviews on the current version. Already, wow. All time we have ten thousand sixty-one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So is so what's your, that what's your uh, one to a thousand ratio roughly correct? Maybe not for I years. I don't think so. Yeah. And, okay. and, and the yeah. all time, like we've we've changed some of the technique type stuff so i'd have to rescale that based on when we started doing like the you know prompting users when they're happiest sort of thing yeah yes it wouldn't be a a fair thing before so it's just really good that you can't um leave a review from beta ios at least i mean Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. if el capitan can do so i mean that's probably generally going to be a more savvy user versus the ah! much more you know, every person as it, as far as every person could be on iOS. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's just um, Apple doesn't get around to the Mac. That's what it comes down to, right? They know where their bread's buttered. We uh, talked about, we were just started this conversation by talking about um, Craig Hockenberry's article that he published today called Half-Assed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where he kind of lays out the case for how Apple isn't uh, paying enough attention to the Mac, uh, especially when it comes to the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. So um, he's talking about starting with Test Flight, uh, which has been available since iOS 8. They say it's coming soon for the Mac, but we're still waiting. Um, there's Analytics, which, of course, iOS only, coming soon to the Mac. Uh, like we mentioned tonight already, they block reviews on beta iOS releases, but not on the Mac. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that's coming soon. <laughs> um, and it's just, uh, you know, the clear set of priorities for Apple is that they just don't seem to uh, give the Mac enough uh, enough time, really, to bring bring their features to par. Um, and Hockenberry's a little sick of it. I, I can totally sympathize. Uh, being a Mac developer myself, I would love for them to pay more attention to it. But his proposal is that they just shut the whole thing down and, you know, which is, you know, a fair position actually. If you can't pay attention to something, then, you know, don't don't do it. And that's that's what Apple's actually kind of famous for. If uh, they can't give it the resources it deserves, then it shouldn't exist. Okay, so I guess that makes sense that the, the iCloud stuff and all the sandbox type stuff would be something you would have to do with the Mac App Store. Um, but otherwise, traditional Mac type software would work just fine, right? Is that, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Like you just give people like a trial type thing or hey download this this is the alpha or beta channel on my own personal website you can do all that stuff of course yeah there are app app store only features um and up until ios 9 os 10 11 uh icloud or sorry cloud kit was one of them so 
Um, but now with the API, I'm not actually sure, to be honest with you, whether mm. uh, you, as a Mac developer using the CloudKit APIs directly, not the JS version, uh, whether you can uh, do that outside of the, uh, the Mac App Store. Not clear to me. But right. uh, at least until, like at this moment at least, it's true that you have to be in the Mac App Store to use that stuff. So maybe not half-assed, maybe more like three-quarter-assed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's not as much ass as you would like. <laughs> well, let us not split asses. <laughs> okay, I saw... So maybe somebody can get me up to speed with this uh, Loop Insight article on Apple Music. Generally speaking, um, Jim Delrumpel posted a piece on the Loop about the fact that um, he was having trouble... Um, loading albums onto Apple Music because what Apple Music does is for some reason it doesn't let you upload duplicate songs anymore so you know if you put like the greatest hits album up by say Bob Dylan in his in his conversation and then he went to put on Blonde on Blonde he couldn't put up the songs they they just didn't matter how many times he put them in they would just disappear from the group. And so he would look at that particular album and it would say there was only three songs there as opposed to all the songs that went, that were in fact on the, in the app. So I, I, to me, it sounds like a, like a, some decision Apple made about how to, you know, um, quantify what songs are there rather than maybe making a double entry in their database on, in the tool. They basically just sort of said, no, it only, you uploaded it with this album. It's associated with that. You can't put it in twice. Even though with iTunes, you always could put in multiple copies of the same songs, you know, in the past. So that, so he basically, that was one of the reasons why he thought, you know, even though it took him a long time to manually go and put the songs in that he wanted in, a few hours later he checked, they were gone. So That's frustrating, obviously, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read this piece yet, but, uh, you know, it sounds like he's just uh, trying to use Apple Music in a way that Apple hasn't thought of now. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think that the thing is he's trying to use it in a way that he's used iTunes in the past, right? And that is that if you have an album of songs and it's got say ten or twelve titles, you drag those into the into iTunes and it records that those songs are there, right? It, it actually stick takes them and makes a folder on in your do, in your music store and and puts them in underneath that album under that recording artist, right? And my experience is, is if you put the same uh, same track in again with iTunes before the current version um it would dutifully put the same song in again in a different different folder and you'd have two copies of the same song so sounds like apple's trying to you know manage our stuff for us by uh not allowing that to happen but they, i think their decision process is probably flawed yeah, it was probably it was probably well intentioned yeah uh you know I've, I've accidentally imported the same cd twice and so yeah, yeah so i have two copies of exactly the same thing and when mm. you're storing that in the cloud somewhere, then then that's probably not really what you intended. Uh, yeah. So they probably meant well, but <laughs> didn't think of this issue. Yeah, well, I mean, and the reality is, well, I, I guess for for those of us who who are older than iTunes, you know, we still have our CD compilations, right, and our collections, and yep. you know, walls of, of of I've got walls of CDs here in front of me right now, but. Um, you know, and and as you put them into the into your iTunes, uh, you either want them stored locally. In fact, he even said he turned off the cloud and all that kind of stuff, and uh, just tried to store them locally, and he couldn't. You know, so mm-hmm. Apple's trying to be too clever mm-hmm. with so web services like, once again. Right, but I do feel like m- my experience with Apple Music 
must be completely different than every other podcaster and writer out there. Yeah. Uh, now, to be fair, I think my needs are rather simple, or at least the way I use it is rather simple. And mm-hmm. I don't use Spotify, so I don't have a real good comparison for how it compares there. But generally what I do is I buy m- music on iTunes, or at least mm-hmm. I have historically. Yeah. Now, with the Apple Music service, I'm using the Siri integration to play all sorts of cool random things. It's, it's actually kind of fun to see how smart it is about figuring out what you're asking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I also listen to Beats 1 Radio. Okay. So <laughs> I don't do iTunes Match. I don't do... I forget the other thing that's very similar. I don't do home sharing. I don't do all these other things that, like, everybody else seems to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't import my CDs. I don't do all sorts of other things. So um, it works pretty great. Like, if I feel like, you know, give me the top hits for 1985... They can do right. that. Right. If I say, hey, you know what? I really want to listen to Welcome to Paradise by Green Day. They can do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty neat. Yeah, that stuff is mm. awesome. I'm, I, I'm kind of similar, actually, Jaime. So, you know, I, I've been listening to the radio uh, section, the tap, in, in Apple Music. Um, mm-hmm. Basically going for the curated list, like you find an artist that you like, and it turns it into a radio station and uh, plays a bunch of their tracks and, and related music. Uh, just that's just basic streaming, you know, and I've uh, I've really been enjoying that. Um, and I, I say this coming as a uh, I've been a Pandora customer and an Audio mm. customer, um, so I've used those services, oh, <laughs> and uh, I've I've been really enjoying the way Apple Music, uh, you know, offers a, a nice curation and allows you to uh, to favorite tracks, you know, like all services do that. But um, I've I've been really liking their mix of music um and so yeah i don't really touch my own uh cds that have that i've ripped and stored in itunes you know why bother i mean if i want to listen to something i'll just stream it why wouldn't i right mm-hmm. um you know I, I i'm guessing that sort of apple's intent here is to say okay well it's it's nice that you have your own music collection but what do you need it for you know you can literally play anything well, not right. literally everything. Well, can, but can, but you, can you can you you have control over the selection of music that that's played there? I suppose, like, like can you of go course. specific channels like you would on a digital radio or whatever, and and listen to specific mixes that you might choose, right? Well, no, the like if if you feel like you want to listen to Led Zeppelin or something, you yeah. know, if you're if you're Jim Dalrymple, you know, yeah. uh, he's he's organized his albums, for example, but he could literally bring up any of those albums on Apple Music and start mm-hmm. streaming them. Mm-hmm. You know, why does he have to control the, uh, the the literal MP3 files sitting on a hard drive? You know, mm-hmm. the, those days are done. Sorry, the Apple Music app is running on Yosemite, or is, or is that an El Capitan thing? It's it's built into iTunes, right? So oh, this okay, is, okay. This is iTunes. So you open up iTunes, and there's the yeah. uh, various yeah, music yeah. tabs oh, radio, in yeah, there. Radio is yeah. one of them, and um, but you can just search, like use the search box in the top right corner on your Mac, and yeah bring up any album or artist yeah. um, and start playing their music. You know, okay. it's, it's like having, you know, every, every song that's available from the labels oh, this is through, on your is this hard drive. Pay, this is through the paid service or the trial yes. service, right? Yes, it is. Okay, because I have a question because I, I haven't signed up for that. I don't know if I will. But, uh, it's I'm a free at, three-month trial. Okay, but I'm looking at I'm looking at the radio tab right now, and okay. um, I've tried like the, they have like in Canada they have Canadian hits and Canadian indie, and then they have some music francophone as well. Yeah, I'm um, an alternative. So have you tried those stations and tried to play them? Have you got anywhere with that, Aaron, at all? Or? Of course, yeah, I've I've played all kinds of stuff here. But you're but you're on the trial version, right? 
Yeah, because yeah. the reason I ask is because I, I haven't signed up yet, and every time I've just got a curiosity, clicked on those links, I get a problem has occurred. You know, really? So not, yeah. Well, yeah. yesterday there would have been a problem because they were having yeah. some kind of outage well, yesterday. Let me, let me just for the sake of science try just trying Science! Right <laughs> uh, come on. Because uh, when I'm working during the day, I've pretty much got yeah. Apple Music playing, like, all day. <laughs> no, I'm putting on both new and radio and just getting blank screens. Huh. Yeah, I'm click. I just click Beats One. That might be oh, another thing that that differs for me vis a vis the three quarter assed thing we just talked about. So I'm doing this on it's iPhone. It's definitely half assed. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing this on no iPhone. More I don't. I don't use iTunes on the Mac to yeah, listen to, yeah. to music. Yeah. Um. So your mileage may vary. Yeah. One quibble I'd have to say with the iOS version is it's all about the Apple Music service. I mean, mm-hmm. your own oh, music yeah. is kind of off to the side over as a big middle finger to you saying, oh, you wanted your playlist for stuff you had. <laughs> Sucks to be you. You're on the fifth tab, and then you got to yep. flip over to the playlist. Yeah. Well, yep, I think yep. that's kind of sort of what Jim Del Rumpel was saying, was that, that you're, getting, you're getting that middle finger experience, right? So let me click yeah, on music yeah, here yeah. on the Mac. Well, it's uh, just, to me, it feels like a, a reprioritization uh, which Apple's famous for, right? This is what Apple does when they see the way forward, when they when they decide what the future is. Yeah, you're holding it wrong. Yeah, exactly. You're listening <laughs> you're, wrong. <laughs> you're listening wrong, you know? Oh, you want to, like, you know, specially curate and, and manage your own music files. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not where we're going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Instead, what you're going to do is pay us $15 a month for the family plan or $9 a month for the single one and mm. you will simply have access to all of the music not mm. all of your music all of the music okay, all of it yeah, yeah you know and so you can go ahead and just you want to listen to something just type it in the search box and you'll be listening to it i guess my concern about that kind of thing is sort of what i call the walmartization of music i don't know if oh, you're yeah. familiar i not if you're if you're familiar with your smaller markets where Pretty much the only place you can buy music is at the Walmart store, and and the the music selection is curated by some buyer in Mississauga or yeah. Bentonville, right? And God, not based- Mississauga. Yeah, Mississauga. I hate that city. I'm actually well, sorry so to anybody who lives in Mississauga. You get your Taylor Swift and your Lady Gaga, and not a whole lot else, right? Yeah, so you, so you yeah. can't get your your Smashing Pumpkins and and anything that's anything that's edgy. You know, I'm sure you probably can get Sex Pistols now because now they're they're mainstream. But you know, that's the kind of thing is is you would get these sort of you know curated. I know what you're so, saying. So my, my I know what you're saying, is, but that's not that what Apple, they're doing at all. Yeah, like yeah. that's not at all what they're intending to do. They've been very clear about this. Mm-hmm. That. And this is hilarious coming from me, um, but <laughs> Apple is saying that they want to open this up to everyone. So even like tiny indie labels or solo acts, people by themselves yes, right, can right. publish to this platform. You know, they've got a mechanism for it. Yeah, um, and, and it's it's kind of the Amazon phenomenon, right? It's the the local record store is, or the, sorry, the Walmart is like your local bookstore where they only have a certain amount of shelf space for sure. CDs, whereas yep. Amazon has infinite Everything. shelf space right so it's kind of the same concept here hopefully mm-hmm, it'll work mm-hmm. anything else about apple's uh music <sighs> service apple's like music service well what or spotify uh, or t- uh, you have not uh, listened to it um so you are anti uh i'm not anti the service i just don't want i'm just okay. you know i don't want to pay for the service i don't need it okay mark have you tried it are you too busy i have not doing tried it yet 
Yeah, yeah okay. I've been just so busy, and I haven't been home a lot, so I haven't really tried. Mm. Although I, I suppose I could have tried it you know, on the road, but I, but I haven't had the chance to. Right. So it's just me and Jaime, and we both kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not using it in the same way that Jim Dalrymple has. Like uh, my my concern was that um, you know you know uh, certain memes catch on and uh, you know states of thinking, and when Jim Dalrymple published that piece this afternoon about mm-hmm. Apple Music, uh, there was a certain piling on as mm-hmm. as tends to happen on the internet on Twitter in particular, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it was just like everybody's like oh this just confirm confirms everything I thought about Apple Music it sucks and you know and it's gonna die in flames and you know. I, I don't feel that way at all. I think it's a great service. No, no, I, and and I totally agree. I think if if anybody is going to take over my ability to listen to music online, I would rather it would be Apple than anybody else. To be honest with you, right? Because um, as you said before, they t- they tend to take things that kind of work and kind of make them better. And maybe, and you know maybe maybe people are just complaining right now. Maybe Jim Dalrymple is complaining right now because he's making a change to something that he's not used to, right? Well, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. You know, so if we if we look at the score tonight so far, um, it's uh, it's one one, both for and against Apple. So we 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 give Apple a check mark for Apple Music, sure. and we take it away for the Mac App Store. I wonder what <laughs> what will happen by the end of this podcast. Yeah. Check your mail. Let's find out. Yeah. So did anyone listen to change the subject a little bit? Anyone listen to the Apple uh, earnings release yesterday? Or well, I, I do want to talk about how Apple is doomed because I mean that I, was, I figured that would be a, um, a topic of conversation with people, you know, because that's what they've been saying about the uh, you know the watch isn't selling and nobody buys iPads and why are they releasing new iPods and clearly they're doomed, right? Right. So the stock did drop eight percent in after hours trading that day. Yeah, and it ended down about four percent, right? Something like that. Mm. Which mm. day was this? That when they announced yeah, the that would have been today. Mm. They announced it yesterday after the close of the market, and okay. in after hours it did drop a lot. But that doesn't really mean too much because it's you know it's very very low volume and and a small number of, of people can influence that mm-hmm. however they want. Uh, but uh, but the actual market today, let me see what the what the close was. Minus four point two three percent at one hundred and twenty five dollars and twenty two cents. Well, but yeah. but whenever Apple makes a big announcement or or an earnings thing, doesn't the stock traditionally go down? Like people figure this is it, they'll cash yeah, out now and often, let yeah. more power yeah. to them, right? And it had, um, it had a nice run up going into that, which is uh, doesn't always happen, right? So it, it had run up from low one twenties to around to above one thirty. Uh, in the couple of weeks before the the announcement, so it's sort of inevitable that it'll come back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I think people just in, interpret things the way they want to interpret things. The numbers were were quite good, actually. Yeah, and that's what I posted the uh, nine to five article, which just does a summary of them, right? Um, mm-hmm. On which, of course, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, the only thing I guess concerned, and, and something that they didn't really talk about, of course, was the iPad. Um, in yeah. the mm-hmm. comments afterwards, uh, or just to back up, uh, there was a again another year-over-year decline in iPad sales. Mm-hmm. So not not a decline in growth, but actual sales compared to this time last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're just selling fewer iPads every year, and um, uh, they they didn't really talk about it too much, except in the comments afterwards. Uh, Tim Cook mentioned that he was still feeling very bullish about the iPad, 
he feels like the features coming in iOS 9 for the iPad are going to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talked about the relationship with IBM. But this still kind of concerns me a little. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how uh, how big a problem it's going to be. But uh, it yeah, feels wonder, like cer- interest in the iPad is dwindling a little bit. Uh, I wonder about that. Because certainly some of the interest in the iPad has been cannibalized by things like the iPhone 6 Plus, right? Yeah, yep. Um, it's just, you know, the, the the larger form factor isn't so compelling for a lot of people, especially people who like the the iPad Mini, right? Right, And if yep. you, the 6 Plus kind of feel, uh, fills that niche a little bit. Uh, also, another thing is I, I think that, and I'm basing this just on what I've seen in my own experience, is people don't buy new iPads as often as they buy new phones, yeah, that's uh, true. I, I pretty much buy a new phone as soon as my contract allows me, right? Whenever the new model comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. But but iPads, I still use an iPad three. That's my mm-hmm. main iPad. So yeah, I know I'm due for one, but I just haven't gotten around to buy one. I'll probably buy one whenever the next round comes up. But that's now what three or four years, something like that. Yeah, something like and that. The, yeah. And the iPhone, you know, of course, is every other year I, I get a new one of those. So. I wonder if it is just if it is that interest is 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 uh, dwindling, or is it just uh, that the spending habits are different for the iPad than they are for the iPhone? Well, really, I think Apple is hoping that it's the latter, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the question sure. the question that they would have is, you know, to say to you, Mark, um, yep. okay, so you you've got an iPad three still. Are you yep. using it, or is it yeah. in a drawer somewhere? Well, That's the big question. It's true. I do use it pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. But in a very limited way, I, I use it for uh, ebooks and for development. So right, yeah, I right. don't use it for a lot of stuff otherwise. It's true. It's true. So do you, do you use your iPhone six more than you would like? Has it, has that replaced your iP- your iPad use? You're on a six, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's an interesting question. I'm just trying to think about that. I don't know that I'd say it's replaced it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I certainly do and, and always have use my phone much more than I use the iPad. Yeah, I see in my case here because I have the 6 Plus, the 6 Plus is definitely usurped my use of iPads for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still have I have an iPad Air 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have bought a mini if it had if it had a better chipset and and you know, to get the Touch ID as well, but um, yeah, cuz once you go Touch ID, you really can't go back, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I tend to browse on my iPhone because I can turn it sideways and get the wider screen, right? So, I mean, yeah, 6 Plus, I mean, mm-hmm. right? What about you, Aaron? Do you use your iPad every day? or? Yeah, every day. I use it quite a, quite a lot. Um, yeah. I'll sit down with it at the, at the end of the day after I work and mm-hmm. um, go through my Twitter feeds and uh, uh, look at videos on Magpie. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Um, I read Instapaper. I read. I, I read every book I read is on iBooks. Um, so I use it quite yeah. a bit. I use it quite a bit, and I, I I like it a lot. You know, I'm still a big fan. Uh, but again, yeah. you know, I think we've said this over and over again. Uh, I have that they're just the software just isn't right there yet. Um, yeah. And yeah. maybe maybe with the the changes coming in iOS nine, that's going to get better. I hope it mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I but I'm I'm glad at least to see Apple recognizing the the issue. That you know there there is waning interest. There has to be you know because more people would be buying them if if they if it were a better product. I, I think, and uh, I think you know it's a good enough product for me to convince me to use it all the time. 
but uh, that's not the same case for for a lot of other people. I think. Yeah, um, I, I, you I know. think I'm the same way. I, I to be honest with you, I use I use my iPad for my music when I'm playing because, and I still use the first app I ever bought to to load PDFs into it for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I, I when I'm watching a movie, I'll pull out the IMDb app and you know see who the actors are and that kind of stuff. And yeah, of course, all of my eBooks. Anytime I have an eBook, if I'm you know writing on public transit or even or even just you know loading up a Ray Winter like book, I'll I'll uh, load Ding. it up on the iPad. Thank you. No I'll load it up on the iPad. And um, so the only person we haven't asked yet is Jaime. What do you what do you do? Jaime, do you have an iPad or? I do have an iPad Air two. Um, mm-hmm. I did have an iPad three for a long time and then upgraded this past fall. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I actually have a very different model where. I use the iPad a lot. So at least so of course when I'm at work I use, you know, my MacBook Pro, my work machine, so I'm I'm on the Mac a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but when I come home, um other, unless I'm doing something like podcasting or I'm tinkering with app development in some sort of way, I'll mm-hmm. nine times out of ten be using my iPad to mm-hmm. browse, to read, to watch videos either on the iPad itself or streaming over to the something like Chromecast or something mm-hmm. um, just because it's it's so convenient of a form factor to just plop on the couch or yeah. go over to the dining room eat something uh, you know have it nearby as a reference material like if I'm doing some sort of recipe based thing and looking at a reference video um, but I can see where the growth would struggle because of a couple of factors right so I think we mentioned the fact that the iPhone is going up in size, so it kind of becomes an issue of like, well, do I really need this tweener device? If I, you know, if I spent a bit more, I could get, you know, a MacBook Air or a MacBook or a MacBook mm-hmm. Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I could get a larger iPhone and maybe be kind of okay with that that size and the extra portability. And it's also different from iPhone in the fact that I would have to gather that by and large, most iPhones are not paid for at full price. Right, and maybe this is an American yeah, thing. So I yeah, apologize if it's yeah, different yeah. elsewhere. But no, all iPads here, are, are completely purchased at full price. Yeah, you know, five hundred bucks to get in. No iPhone, no, hardly any iPhones are sold at five hundred bucks. Uh, even you know, with the contract uh, subsidies and whatnot. Now you have a six plus like me. Do you not find that you go to your iPhone more often than you would necessarily, or a, a little bit more than I did with the four S and yeah. uh, five, which I had previously um right. just because it's like well i could probably browse this one article okay versus mm-hmm. with the 4s and the 5 like there's no way i'm gonna read this article if i'm at home yeah <laughs> you know, i'm just gonna pull out the ipad it's like uh, i've got my yeah. iphone in my pocket whatever i'll just take a look yeah well i spend a fair amount of time in slack and twitter when i'm when i'm at my water cooler moments right and and i tend to go to the phone for that rather either that or with with i'll go online with my mac but you know yeah the ipad kind of you know gets relegated to the sock drawer for the majority of the day right so you hear a lot of stories like that people you know find that it just doesn't fit into their lifestyle and they Mm -hmm. have an ipad and end up not using it very often um and i think apple is aware of that too you know But, but it's like we think we're all sort of saying it the elephant in the room is the killer app right um there doesn't seem to be any compelling app for i other than crossy road right there is no compelling reason to pull your iPad out, right? 
Uh, you know, like in my case, it's you know I, when I've got my my iPad on a music stand, fits better than my iPhone six plus does, and I can see from a distance when I'm playing guitar. But like other than, or if I'm sitting on the couch, I'd rather use IMDb on my iPad than on my phone. But and I hate it on online; it's hor- horrible in a browser. But you know, like yeah, it's like I think I think like what you said earlier. I think it was Aaron said it. There isn't really and that the application, the software development there. And again, it comes back down to how much effort it takes to write a really good iPad app, right? Um, that's where that's where the downfall of the iPad is, right? It's the app store structure that prevents there being a successful app. You know, it's yeah. a two-headed beast in a way because on the one hand, you look at the operating environment of the iPad. Which mm-hmm. is is quite limiting, right? As we know, it's part of its its appeal. Actually, it's that it's a single uh, single view. Uh, it's difficult to uh, to interoperate with other elements on the same operating system. Yeah. Um, we hope iOS nine will help with that, but you know, it's still an issue. Um, well, didn't you make a case, or was it Mark that made a case for multi users on single iPads as well? We talked about. I think we talked about that once before. Like, you know, would you would you, your family buy less iPads if? You you could log out and your wife could log in or your well that certainly has been raised. I mean that's definitely a factor, um, and it may yet come. You know, and maybe iOS ten will have that for the iPad. Who knows? Right. But um, but that's the one side. There's the capabilities of the OS, which mm-hmm. are improving, but very very slowly. You know, mm-hmm. and then of course on the other side, there's the whole App Store economy problem, right. um, which prevents anyone from investing significant resources into developing an app that is going to like offer true breakthrough functionality the mm-hmm. kind of which that you would see on say a desktop um a macintosh for example that you know a, a desktop developer uh could feel justified uh investing a great deal of resources into making like a like a photoshop for example something that's you know mm-hmm. big time app that yeah. they would have a really hard time justifying that on the ipad because they know that nobody's going to pay for software right right you know, mm. so why bother? You know, and, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It was, um, you know, whoever wrote that article, I can't remember right now, you know, saying, you know, picture the developer coming up with, oh, I got this great idea for an iPad. Ah, too bad, you know, because <laughs> what would be yeah. the point? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's that's the problem with the App Store. Mm. So that's why the there's no great software. I wonder if the networking is an issue as well. Uh, I find that, so I have the, the 4G model, mm-hmm. uh, but I find that the the plans are still pretty expensive for what you get uh, mm. compared to the basically you know essentially free uh, data plan that I have on my on my iPhone. I mean I've had it for a long time, so I'm sort of grandfathered into a to an unlimited plan. But but oh. you know with, with the iPad, it's as I said, it's expensive, and I and I find myself hitting the limit pretty early in the month so i end up so so what do you so what do you pay for your network. what do you pay for your plan and what do you get with it for the ipad the ipad yeah you know it's a good question i got to i got to even look that See, up i think but. i think i pay about 15 dollars or so but it, my, my data plan is shared between my iphone and my ipad right so oh right. see yeah i don't have that option yeah so i have two separate plans i have to look it up yeah so i have two separate plans one is one is for uh my iPhone and one is for my iPad. Yeah. And the iPad one, I think I, I think I do pay something like fifteen bucks, but it's a pretty yeah. small amount of data for that. In Canada, at least, I don't know if it's true in the states that uh, they have automatic stepping plans for the mm-hmm. iPad. Um, so, like, you start out with uh, a five dollar a month 
this is with Rogers and uh, Telus, for example, and Bell. Uh, they have these plans. So uh, start with five dollars a month, and you get something very small, like two hundred megabytes. Um, mm-hmm. If you go over that, then you immediately get kicked up to the fifteen dollars a month, and that gives you up to a gigabyte. And if you go over a gigabyte, you get kicked up to twenty five dollars, and you get two gigabytes, say, um, you know, yeah. whatever the actual steps are, but that's generally how it works. And, and so you, it's, it's like a pay for what you use, you know, in, in tiers. Um, do you have something like that there? Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's similar, but it's not as friendly. So I, I'm looking at <laughs> now, I do, I do have 250 megs. Uh, but if I go over that, it basically will give me another 250 megs for the same price. So even if I go oh. only go over by one meg, I'm paying double. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's a a pretty good plan. But I I like I still prefer, you know, on my iPhone I've got a six gig, yeah, uh, data plan, yeah, which uh, is just part of my package, I guess. And I I think it's like thirty dollars a month, and mm-hmm. that's what uh, a lot of the Canadian characters phased in when uh, carriers, not characters, yeah. they really are though. Um, they phased that in after the unlimited thing went away, right? They said, okay, it's not unlimited anymore, but six gigs, come on. <laughs> did we ever have unlimited? I don't think we ever did. Did now, we? even even as you say that, I think you're actually. I think right. I think um, we started off with six gigs, and that's kind of. Yeah. I think that you're probably you probably stuck with that. I hope the carriers aren't listening to this, but because I can tell you that I can tell you when I went to buy my iPhone six plus and picked it up at, at the Rogers store, they wanted to move me to a more expensive plan that gave me less options than what I already have. Right, so. And so I think the pricing the pricing has gone up, it's, and it's a, and it's another one of these you know differences between Canada and the U.S. is well maybe it isn't it isn't but. Um, we pay a lot for shitty service here, right? You know? <laughs> I'm not sure how that's different. Sorry, <laughs> it's not I think I missed the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think we we I think our our well, I'm not sure how we are compared. To, well, I think I guess Europe has even even worse plans, but because they have to pay like an arm and a leg for uh, their devices anyway, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Death by a thousand subscriptions again. Right, but I'm, you know, I'm not surprised that the iPad is following an upgrade cycle that looks a whole lot like the Mac because mm-hmm. Apple sort of treats it like the Mac, and, and maybe because of the aforementioned pricing model that's much closer to Mac than it is to iPhone. Um, they've actually right. been super generous with their their upgrades, right? Like iOS 9 notwithstanding on the iPhone you're pretty much hosed two years after the fact by the iOS upgrades when the the iPad 2 for heaven's sake is still hanging around getting iOS Mm -hmm. 9 when they could say buy another one if you want all these fancy yeah or yeah the 4 on the iPad 2 should definitely be dropped I mean I hate to say it to the people who own those still but they should be dropped because they're just going to start hurting right the 4s I think it is is still hanging around the 4S, yes, is the earliest mm-hmm. iPhone that runs iOS 9. Um, and yeah. the iPad Air, or sorry, the iPad Mini. Yeah, the Mini uh, has the same chipset as the yes. the, as the original um, iPad 2 as well, right? Yeah. yeah, running a modern app on a, on a 4S is pretty painful. I don't know if you've watched anyone do that recently. No. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's it's tough. If you have something that's very graphic intensive or perform, or yeah. performance, it's yeah, it's it's kind of ugly. Yeah. Wonder how, I wonder yeah, if Async Display Kit would help with that. Um, Aaron, I wanted to ask. You, I said, I wonder if Async Display Kit would help with that. Basically, it moves all the all the uh, drawing on to CA layer and happens on a background thread. Um, Aaron, you just bought a MacBook, the new MacBook, right? Uh, I'm podcasting on it right now. Yeah, and and but then you also have the 5K uh, iMac, right? So so I how do. how has that affected your workflow in terms of 
your use of iPad, your use of iPhone, and use of these two devices. Like Jaime just sort of said, you know, that was an option for him is to is to look at maybe buying a MacBook instead, like the mini MacBook you're talking about, I guess, uh, Jaime, right? rather than going to the next iPad. Right? Was it Mark? Is that what Jaime was saying? I don't, I don't know. So. I mean, you have an Air, Air 2, right? I think you said, right? Somebody mentioned, somebody mentioned that's an option, uh, you know, when you're, when you're evaluating whether you would buy another iPad device, is you could just as easily go to a MacBook. Somebody mentioned that a, a few minutes ago. Right, as, as the iPhone gets larger, right? When you had yeah. the, the 4S size, the iPad was a huge difference between iPhone, iPad, and, and you know, and Mac. But then if you have a, an iPhone 6 Plus, that's massive by comparison it's like well maybe i can get away with just having the phablet mm. so so the question is goes to aaron then so now that you've made the investment in the macbook and uh and you have the retina mac as well imac um what do you think what are you doing well i, I haven't changed anything like these these machines have different roles you know uh macs are for programming mm-hmm. and ipads are for chilling <laughs> and what about your <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So how does it so, work between the desktop and the laptop one? Because I'm actually kind of curious on how that works. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, it's it's actually turning out really nice. Um, I I I use Dropbox and GitHub. Let's say those are the two primary services that uh, that lubricate my movement between these two machines. Right. So uh, I'll then I have a pretty standard routine. So if if you're an assassin trying to pick me off. You should have very little trouble. Um, in the morning, I work from home on my iMac, um, and I'm working on my projects uh, for my client. I uh, use GitHub, of course. I do all my work in the morning. When I'm done, I'm going to go over to the second cup for the afternoon, so I check my stuff in and push it up to the remote right. uh, GitHub repo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I show up at the second cup with my MacBook, and mm-hmm. I do a Git pull, and that's it. I've got all my stuff. Uh, ditto with Dropbox. Any like I've got a folder on my desktop called Desktop Items, so I don't actually put items on my desktop. You know, you might like just drop stuff there mm-hmm. uh, that you might need frequent access to for a time. Uh, I would used to put that on my desktop. Now I just put it in this folder, which is an alias from my Dropbox, um, and so anything I drop in there is going to be on both computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's you know like there's mail, which of course is IMAP and is always everywhere, just like you would expect. Um, yeah. Twitter is always up to date with. Tweet marker and uh, what else is there? Um, I think that's about it. You know, like uh, I, I haven't found any really any issues with this. So how big is how big is your Dropbox account? Doesn't are you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually on a free plan. Okay. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to say though that I've you know done all kinds of stuff to uh, increase my drive space. Yeah, I did too. Um, yeah. Currently at eleven point six. Oh, get, sorry, that's used. Um, Wow. Oh no, that's right. Eleven gigs. That's what I've got. Eleven point hmm. six gigs, and I'm at seventy two percent of that capacity. Right yeah, now. I'm, I have an eight gig one because you know because back in the early days you could refer people and get like free two fifties every yeah, now and then. Yeah, right? I did all that. Um, you know, I tried to max that out uh, yeah. in the early going, this, which seems ridiculous now, but uh, I was young once. So, yeah. Um, yeah so I'm, I'm finding Dropbox uh, is 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 of course a terrific. So uh, why tool is the second cut thing. part of your routine? Is that just sort of 
force of habit I, or I work from home, a, you see. Yeah. So like this is my way of kind of getting out in the afternoon, you know, yeah, especially yeah. in a God, did you see today was just a gorgeous day. Yeah, um, no, yeah exactly. Yep. You know, get out and uh enjoy the day for a little bit, see mm-hmm. the sun and mm-hmm. uh do some work and you know, I I really enjoy doing that uh sort of it's what I do every day. You know, I have some lunch and then I go over there and work for about two, two and a half hours and come home and finish my mm-hmm. day. Just what I do. Hmm. Um, and so, like the having having the two computers uh, is it's for the first time uh, I've got Retina everywhere. Right. Right. That's the big thing, um, because the only way you can get Retina on the desktop is with the iMac 5K. Right. Um, or you buy some third party display, which you know who wants to do that. So. And you were using um, that syncing tool between your. Do you use that at all when you're at the second cup? You were talking syncing about syncing tool. Oh, we talked about sharing. A, a, yeah. Oh, screens, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I use that from time to time when I've uh, been an idiot, you know, and I'll, I'm working on something on, on one computer, and then I'm on the other, and I'm like, oh, where is that? Mm-hmm. Ah, I put it just on the, you know, in the documents directory or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll just, you know, use screens, or um, if I'm on the local network, I'll just use file sharing mm-hmm. uh, to go over to the other computer and grab it. But, yeah, um, I've, I've found that happens very rarely you know, in practice. Now, next week's going to be a big challenge because I'm going to be going to the cottage and taking just the MacBook and leaving my iMac at home, of course, because mm-hmm. that thing doesn't travel well. <laughs> so um, I may find myself using screens then because, yeah. I don't know, uh, there might be things that I'd like to do on the home computer that I you know, would rather not do on this one. I don't know. Yeah. I will say this uh, for the MacBook. Uh, the 12-inch MacBook has only one USB port on it. That's all it's got, right? Yeah. Uh, which can turn out to be a little bit problematic when you're doing Xcode development on it. Um, oh, because right, it, yeah. it, it, it tends to run down the battery pretty hard. Like, you start building or compiling software, um, running in the simulator, or plug you plug in an iPad, right? Because I'm actually, my day job is developing iPad software. So uh, I'm running this thing connected to my computer, and... Uh, it's charging the iPad while it's, oh, you know, right. running software on the iPad. And uh, I find I'm only getting, like, maybe, you know, my battery's really run down by the time I'm I'm done at the cup there. And there's um, no splitter dongle you can buy? To, to you can buy that? one, yeah. For 100 bucks, you can buy a, a splitter that will give you another USB port and the pass-through on the uh, USB-C. Yeah, to charge it with. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as an HDMI. It's that, uh, it's a three three-headed thing um i don't have that i just have the usb adapter that i bought so, so and I that's can, the only port for charging and for connecting that's it, it right? it's all you can do it's just this one port wow so um i'm thinking about uh maybe getting a hub of some kind uh so that yeah I, I'm, I'm really feeling a little bad about spending a hundred dollars to get a, a, a splitter like that uh but uh I'm, I'm considering other options like a hub that would give me multiple ports as well as the power out um because I, I'm going to need to do things, do something about this. Uh, it's kind of an ugly situation. Well, you're definitely the pioneer on this podcast in that respect. Yes, um, I am. So we were talking, we were talking about the Apple earnings. Is there anything else we want to talk about? The fact that number of watches sold, or any of that kind of stuff, or well, we don't know the number of watches sold, right? Like they didn't give us purposefully so didn't give us a definitive number. Oh, that's true. They said ninety four percent of watchers use it every day. Blah blah blah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, they didn't say. You didn't say whether people are how many people are buying them or whatever. Did you guys? So you guys listened to the actual um, talk from um, or the announcement? Did, you sounded like you did, Aaron. 
No, I, I read uh, Tim Cook's remarks uh, oh, okay. that were transcribed afterwards. There's there's no word on the watch. They just they're they're very happy with it, and that's all we're ever going to hear. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Like, does this stuff even matter? Honestly, like, I, I guess, guess I guess it matters in the sense that um, you know we want a lot of people to have watches, for example. So it's a worthwhile developer target. Well, it's true, but I mean, like, like currently, it seems to me the only people who own watches are developers. <laughs> so far, you know, and we're not making asks for each I, other. I see them around a lot. Do you? Yeah. Now, granted, I, I'm in Silicon Valley and yeah. commuting to LA sometimes, but so those aren't necessarily the the typical place in the world. But but I see a lot of them. Well, no, but I mean that's the thing is like I think I mentioned on the show when I when the iPad first came out, I happened to be down in San Francisco and I was a little disappointed that I didn't see everybody walking around with an iPad. And same thing with the iPhones when they first came out, you didn't see them initially when they first came out. Now that that was early days as far as iOS was concerned, anyway. But you know, I don't see a plethora of watches around the city when I unless I go to like a taco meeting and then there's like twenty of them in the room. But you know, other than that, I I very rarely see any watches around the city. I mean, but think yeah. about that, right? So let's say they sold, let's just make up a number, right? Yeah. An absurd number. Let's just say 10 million is what they sold. Sure. Which I think is, is awful high, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the odds of you seeing those in Pretty low, I guess. Canada, much yeah. less Toronto, yeah. when you have that the 10 million spread throughout, I don't know, however many countries it is that they launched yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But so you think I it was think 10 it'll million? take time. Yeah? Hmm? You think it was like ten a number like ten million? How no, many? no, but I'm using that as a number. Right? Yeah, so, I, I get that, but I mean, I mean, how many I mean, millions is is uh, is Toronto, like population wise? Oh, probably two and a half, something like that, maybe three. Okay, so what would you expect the distribution of the ten million they hypothetically sold in the quarter? Oh, in Toronto, yeah, no, yeah, they'd, they'd all be on Great. King Street, right between Spadina and uh, <laughs> Young, I think. <laughs> where all the where all the developers are hanging out. That's right. <laughs> right, right. So Young, man, that's way too far. Ever, did anyone expect this to move the needle for Apple? I don't think anyone did. I mean... Apple you know, certainly doesn't. No, no. I mean, just a bunch of analysts maybe did, but... Sure. Uh, and, and make a lot of noise about it, but that's, you know, that's what they do, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm not sure in the, in the grand scheme of things this matters at all. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I was I was curious because, like I said, sorry, Aaron. I, I, what I was saying was, I had heard in the last couple of weeks about how you know the watch wasn't doing anything and nobody was buying it. And I think now you're down to like you can pretty much get delivery right away, if I'm not mistaken. You know, on on watches. So, so I'll address something here though, like because so if I remember correctly, Apple or Tim Cook did say that, um, contrary to popular belief, they'd actually sold more in. June than they did in, in April, right? Where they had the huge spike on the one evening in which I was sadly not able to get mine, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm totally not bitter about that. Um, the the constant the consternation that that came up was related to a few questionable reports around you know the sales dropping by like ninety percent. And prior to hearing what Apple had said about it. The logical explanation, if you think about it, is like, okay, so you have this huge spike at the beginning. We knew there were manufacturing and distribution problems. We knew you literally could not go to the store and buy one and, you know, walk out the door with one until, what, a week or two left in the quarter. And surprise, surprise, these analysis pieces went from April, May, June. It's like, oh, well, great. You know what's more interesting? July, August, September, right? Now that they've 
gotten the ability to get closer to meet demand. Like yeah. now those numbers become interesting. I mean, who's yeah, going to go like, oh, I got to wait three months for a watch. Like, yeah, guess what, Apple? I'll come back in three months. I'm not going to pay, pay my money now if you're oh, the average yeah. person walking into the store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw one particularly ridiculous headline that sales dropped 90%. Uh, and what they were doing was comparing the 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 first week spike, which was all the pent-up demand and, and pre-orders and whatnot, with what it settled down to as the regular day-to-day level. So you kind of expect that to drop some pretty large number. Mm-hmm. But yet people are using that as evidence that, oh, the you know the watch is a failure, it's doomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just sensationalistic journalism, I think. But but I think a, a lot of the reason people are looking at this so closely is, it, is that it's the first new product since Tim Cook took over, right? The first really new product. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so people are... are you know, there's there's a certain set of people looking for him for him to fail and looking for the company to fail, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know if if this is just the first product of say you know I don't know ten to twenty new brand new products over the next few years, then who cares if this one doesn't do that well? It just yeah, happened to be the yeah. first one. Hmm. I mean, one you know, <laughs> one year sales of Apple cars <laughs> will dominate the entire lifetime of of Apple watches if if that ever actually happens. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You know, it's not on our list of things to talk about, but did you see yesterday that Apple hired some um, marketing yeah. or exec from a uh, car company? Yeah, yeah. Huh. It was Very a marketing person? Yeah, I'm not sure. Not, I don't mean marketing. He was a, it was a car car dude from a Toyota or something like that. Not ah, sure. Okay, it would be inter- it would have been interesting if it were a marketing person because you know that would imply that they were coming up with a go to market strategy, which would suggest that they were more advanced in their plans. But well, here it is. Uh, uh, okay. um, sorry. By the way, I just checked the Apple stock on the on the store here in Canada. And every all the watches are in stock except for the um, crazy ones. The additions, eh? Um, yeah, Doug Doug Betts is the former VP from of quality from from Fiat Chrysler. Ah, okay. So that's Sorry. operational. Joins a mysterious yeah. car development program, according to Wall Street Journal. I'm guessing but it's going to be years before we see anything come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's hmm. a pretty important position. I mean, a VP of quality is kind of responsible for making sure that the products go out the door correctly, and mm-hmm. it's good that they're that they have someone in that role. It means mm-hmm. that they're sort of getting to the point where it's it's not just on the drawing board anymore. They're starting to build stuff and look hmm. at how it performs. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, things. I hope that's too. true. I mean, I would very much like to see what Apple would do in a car. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like to think that they would really shake things up, and I believe the car industry needs it. Something fierce. Yeah. But will people react to it the same way? So people are like criticizing the watch with, well, look at these major apps that don't have a watch app. Like you know, there's no Facebook watch app. Mm-hmm. And yeah. will people oh ask gosh. the same thing of Car OS, which I'm <laughs> you heard Facebook it here first? Car OS. It's like, where's the Facebook app for Car OS? Like, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell would you possibly be doing <laughs> on Facebook in the car? That's an interesting example you chose is Facebook because they didn't even bring out an iPad app for the longest time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or do they even have one now? I don't. They do. It's uh, okay. it's weirdly seems to just like Twitter. It always seems to be well behind the iPhone app, which. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I, well, again, it maybe comes back to what we were just talking about—the fact that that 
they don't see uh, the effort required to build an iPad app as being worth it. Perhaps. Well, for something like Facebook, it's it's not clear that there is any real reason to have a native iPad app, right? It's, yeah, or watch it's, in it's, this case. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you guys seen any compelling releases for watch recently? Have you seen any? You know, we talked about Overcast originally, and there's been I've seen a few come by that that now have watched a lot of updates in the last little while have watch components, but have you guys seen anything that sort of knocks your socks off or gets your attention? Nothing, man. It's so weird. You know, third-party yeah. apps are crazy. You know, um, I use the Second Cup app uh, all the time yeah. to pay for my oh, of course, yes. my tea, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I use the Overcast app to fast-forward through commercials on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't <laughs> remind me that. <laughs> That's so funny. Um Hey, look, I've got, you know, there's a Realtor.ca app that's yeah. on the watch. Yes. Uh, I'm just noticing that for the first time. It's pretty nice, actually. I can actually look at homes near me. Yep. I've seen this house. Ha! Yep. Huh, look at that. 439. Fascinating. Um, anywho. Uh, but no, in the, on the whole, I haven't seen a lot of apps that uh, are compelling to me on the watch. I mean, it's the basic functionality of the watch, the out-of-the-box, what it does, uh, answers so much of what I'm yeah. after in this yeah. thing. So it's really hard, you know, and I, I'm guessing that's a pretty common experience. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 d- I didn't put my watch on today, and I was I was at the park, and I kept looking at my, you know, my watch tan, trying to see what time it was. It's funny. <laughs> I haven't done that in years, you know. Having to pull my stupid phone out of my pocket and see what time it was, that's ridiculous. That is like some kind of filthy animal. I know, eh? It, that's so 2014. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. 360 iDev is the longest-running and largest indie iOS conference in the United States, possibly the world, bringing nearly 400 developers and designers from around the world to Denver, Colorado every year. It's a great time to up your dev game, meet new people, reconnect with friends, and generally spend four days with the best in the iOS community. You can save 15% if you use the discount code COCOCOMMUNITY when you register. Awesome. Still waiting to hear if Mark's going to go to... uh, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. 360 idev. Yeah, I've got my plane ticket, got my hotel room, got the got the thing ready to go. So I will be. There. I mean, are you going this year? I cannot make it. That uh, yeah. that month is going to be insanely busy. So unfortunately, I can't sneak away this year. Yeah, yeah. What, when is Sad it? Trombone. August yeah. 16th to August 19th. So it starts on the Sunday with a full day of workshops, and then. Um, yeah, it starts with a Sunday with a full day of workshops, or two morning workshop and an afternoon workshop, and then uh, talks for the next three days, I believe, till Wednesday. So Sunday to Wednesday. Okay. It's a pretty fun conference, Aaron. You should go if you get the chance. I'm going to try to go. I just don't have the time or the money. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yeah. So Too busy buying hardware. That's it. Uh, <laughs> leasing. Leasing hardware. Oh, leasing even better. Well, that's good. At least you get to write off the lease. That's the whole point. Hi, May. Do you want to talk about the Jared Sinclair piece? Yeah, it's oh, a rather short little piece. Um, I can't remember what we have the rating on this podcast. Uh, so I'll let you bleep it I, out. I, you I've, or, I've, already, I've already used the S word, so go ahead. Okay, cool. Well, we've so all been splitting asses all night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's titled uh, Judicious Use of Shitty Code. Oh, my God. I can't believe you swore on this podcast. <laughs> Lock up your children. <laughs> Um, so the basic gist of the short blog post is 
um, while there's a place for things like clean code, right? So doing things in an elegant way, in a maintainable way, mm -hmm. um, it kind of depends on what your your goal is, right? If you're trying to learn, you know, absolutely do it the right way. If um, you're just trying to get something out to market, as he points out, users aren't going to care what it looks like under the covers. It could right. be an absolute unmaintainable mess, mm -hmm. and users aren't going to care as long as it's in their hands, as long as it works. Yeah. And he mentions a real horrifying example of, uh, you know, one of his most successful projects, Pillboxy, which, quote, was a tangle of spaghetti code written without delegation and mm -hmm. its notification center or KVO. Everything was somebody else's property. I was like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah. But apparently it worked, right? He got it to market. It was very successful. And who cares if it's an unmaintainable spaghetti mess? The, the next guy who has to maintain it cares. <laughs> well, but that's if you do, right? If you do the, yeah. like, you know, do a quick app, dump it on the app store, move on to the next one sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You won't have to, even you won't have to maintain it. Yeah. Well, he was, he says in the article, he's never, never updated it and it's still being downloaded and people are still using it. So. But I mean, the, there's the old eighty twenty rule. I think I read about it in Accidental Empires um, about uh, Bill Gates, and that is that you know rather than um, building a piece of software that's that's perfect, you know, like pristine or whatever, they would just build the product to the point where it worked and get it out the door, and then worry about you know the the sort of things that were to fall apart later on. Not intentionally, of course, right? Because I mean, back in the early days, everybody was guessing what the hell they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the whole. You, at some point, you have to focus on progress, not perfection, is is the expression that you know I like to use. And you know, get it out the door, get it out. See if, like, you know, sometimes you're just doing a spaghetti test. Like, is it going to stick to the wall? Are people actually going to look at my app? Rather than finessing over whether or not you know, um, you know, somebody on the Ray Wheeler like, team is going to come through and go through your code with a with a fine tooth comb, right? So. Yeah, and, and and importantly, judiciously doing this. Yeah. Right. So he points yeah. out yeah. like you shouldn't have crashing conditions. You shouldn't have these other yeah. bad things. Of course, yes, yeah. Your app has. But to run. worrying about like, will this be talked about for decades as your dissertation on yeah. proper software engineering practices? Yeah. Maybe not the highest priority. Well, your, your code isn't going to end up on the, on a museum wall. But that said, I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art in um, New York last year. Uh, I guess when we had the tech talks in New York last time, I guess it was two years ago, uh, October, and I went to the MoMA and and there they literally have I think it's Pac Man and something else um, as an exhibited piece of American art, right? So God knows what's inside that code base, right? Right. You guys Wait, that's did you say Pac Man? That was built by Pac Namco, the game. A Japanese company. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, maybe not. <laughs> It's it's a it's a museum of modern art, right? So, hmm. yeah, there was there was a, it was like one or two other games. I can't remember what they were, but I was, I was surprised to see that you know, right next to the punk rock album covers, were was a, a monitor in the wall playing Pac-Man, or something to that effect. Yeah. But the code, the source code, was not being shown. I no, presume. no, that's what I mean. But okay. but but the the concept of like you know when you play Angry Birds, you don't care whether they used KBO or not, right? You know. Indeed. And in fact, he mentions Repost, which is an app.net client that he built right. some years ago mm -hmm. uh, that I used extensively mm -hmm. while uh, app.net was around. 
And I thought that was just wonderful software. Like it was, it, it worked so very well. I mean, it looked great because yep. it was a Jared Sinclair product. But to hear him say that he's got view controllers for that app that are thousands of lines long, littered with procedures that should have been generalized but got copied and pasted. And you know what? Like you said, it didn't matter. Uh, it was actually a great piece of software. Stable, you know? Like it didn't crap out or anything like that. Um, so as a user, I don't give a crap what it looks like underneath, you know, the, the code. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he's obviously not proud of it. On the other yeah. hand, it was a good piece of software. Yeah. Hmm. There are Apple know. Design Awards, not Apple Code Awards. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, they care what it looks bit. like. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the completionists in the audience, and I know you're listening, um, on exhibit at the moment, Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art in um, New York City is Pac-Man, Tetris, Another World, Mist, SimCity 2000, Vib Ribbon, Sims, The Sims, uh, Katmari Damasi, whatever that is, Eve Online. Katmari Damasi. Dwarf Fortress, Portrait, Flow, Passage, and Cannabalt. Cannabalt? Yeah, Cannabalt, yes. An, that's an iOS, or it was a Flash game, I think. Really? Came yeah, it's from iOS, 2009, yeah. actually, yeah. that's that's Because uh, the, the first one is from 1980, which is Pac-Man, and then Tetris was 84, right? So, you know? Cool. So, ship it. Ship it. <laughs> what do you say? Ship it! What do you say, Jaime? I think you should ship it. And Mark? I think you should ship it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has any picks, and then we'll stop at Aaron and see if Aaron has a pick. Woo-woo! <laughs> the train's pulled to the station. All right. <laughs> um, yes, okay, sorry. So um, this one's a little unusual because I am, uh, you know, uh, in a former life, and uh, as it happens in my current life, I'm doing a little Ruby programming, and so I've been using this tool called Mechanize. Uh, it's it's a, a tool, a gem that you can plug into Ruby, basically allowing you to automate access to websites. So if you want to get at certain information on a web page, uh, it does not provide an API, uh, and, and most prominently featured in this uh, case is a bank website. I'm looking to get my, my transactions from my banking site. There's no API and uh, no easy way to get at it. So I've adopted Mechanize, written a script, and it logs me in, uh, pulls down my transactions, and then I can process them myself. So this is a very cool tool. I've, I've heard of it, but I had never used it before. Uh, so I've been playing with it and finding it incredibly easy to use. Uh, you know, following the directions that uh, that are there on that page that are in the link I gave you that uh, you can very readily uh, determine what a page is composed of, all its various uh, HTML elements, uh, hmm. form switches, uh, buttons, uh, select lists, things like that, um, and picking out the ones that you need and then proceeding through the form just like human would, right? You know, that's the whole point is that it, it, it parses and acts on uh, HTML pages as if a person were doing the clicking. Hmm. Um, so this is very similar to like if if you're familiar with uh, UI automation testing frameworks, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like the ones recently introduced in iOS nine hmm. um, and Xcode seven that you can you know just uh, step through and, and watch the code, watch the application rather being used. Uh, Mechanize is very similar to that. 
um, except it's uh, there's there's no front end of it. It's it's just all scripted and happens under the covers. So very useful app if you ever want to like break into a website and get data. Um, you know, it's it's basically screen scraping. You know, if you want to think of it that way. Right. Right. Um, and, and in the case where websites or web services don't provide a proper API, then this is what you got to do. And hmm. if uh, you are a Rubyist at all, uh, this is the tool to use. I'm sure there are similar tools for other languages. Um, who knows? Maybe Swift even has something like this. But um, but I'm a Ruby guy going way back, and so um, this is like coming home. Hmm. Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. And while Aaron is making you all productive... I am uh, doing the opposite <laughs> and helping you procrastinate. So if you need to step away from the keyboard and do something to refresh yourself, um, got a game called, well, not me personally, it's a game called Kira Blaster by Studio Pixel. Mm-hmm. Um, as folks who have followed the show know, I'm a fan of old school video game type things. And mm-hmm. this one is of the jumping and shooting variety that definitely would have fit right at home in the old Nintendo systems. And it's actually a kind of an interesting mix of platforming, shooting, that actually works really well with the virtual controls. Um, not a huge fan of virtual controls in general, so they just don't translate very well to the touch devices. Um, I think they came up with an interesting scheme where you can lock the shooting in an up direction, left or right direction, and you can walk back and forth and jump in the opposite direction so you can run backwards and shoot forwards sort of thing if you need to. And they actually play with this mechanic pretty well and and they have a very inventive set of enemies and obstacles you have to surpass and they even add extra things like um, at some point you get a jetpack and I definitely just say check it out. It's got a retro graphic style. It's got sort of a a strange story, minimalist storyline that feels like it was translated from Japanese to Swahili <laughs> to English. <laughs> oh, your base are belong to us. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just very, very, very odd, quirky, but a good time waster. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Five bucks. Who would ever spend five bucks on software? Come on, I know, I mean. eh? like, who, who, <laughs> jeez. Who sells apps for five bucks? Really, losers. That's who. <laughs> Alrighty then. So Magpie version 1.1 just came out tonight for iOS, by the way. Yeah, in case you have FYI. five bucks to look, burning a hole in your pocket. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, so my pick this week is an interesting one. Um, it was posted by a friend of ours, um, and I followed it, and it's called Health Check from AppBot.co, and I think AppBot.co is trying to, is has a is a site that builds services for developers. But this one's kind of cool. It actually gives you, and we're talking about, and this is sort of follow-up to our marketing talks we've had in the last little while, and, and something for, I think I sent it to Aaron to have a look at it. But if you're curious about how your setup of your marketing message, your icons, your uh, localization, whether or not your uh, apps are optimized for iOS 6, you know if they're not. Come on, we all know where they are. But but with this tool, you can put an app name in, and you can see how it's it scores in terms of its marketability through the App Store mechanism. Flawed though it is, at least this gives you another way to sort of optimize the presentation and marketing of your app through through the App Store. So that's uh, health te- healthcheck.appbot.co. Did you have a look at it, Aaron, when I sent it yeah, to you? Yeah, of course. Um, I got a B plus, a B plus. for well, Magpie. That's good. That's Not good. bad. 
Yeah, was there, um, any, was there anything that it pointed out that maybe you, should, you could have tweaked or you can tweak? Yeah, one of the things that it's describing I don't actually understand. Um, yeah. In the app description it says, I have not included any social proof in my copy. Yeah, that's an interesting I don't one. know what that means. Yeah, I had for one of my apps, it did very well on that. Uh, and it was because I had put, like, number one in this category, number two in that category. Mm-hmm. And, they and it somehow parses that? Yeah, somehow. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. How many in here? Oh, there you are at the very bottom. Bottom of the pile. Ooh, beatbox. Uh-huh. Look at you. Yeah. Cool. But anyway, it rates your um, name, the name of your app and on the App Store and, and uh, whether you're, you know, you've optimized things. And your update cycle is zero days, Aaron. Well, yeah, yeah, just like I said, new version just came out today. So, yeah, I've got no ratings or reviews. Mm-hmm, Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you, and you didn't localize it, which we know about, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, ratings. No compromise. Oh, no, I gave a rating to the other guy on the podcast. Hmm. 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 Yeah. So it's, cool. it's a cool tool if you want to check out your thing. And, of course, you can check out your competition should you have such a thing. You know, so, you know, I can put in some of... I, we looked... I have competitive apps to some of the apps that I put up there. And I put their thing to see what their scores were. And I could put Offer up in there and see how they do. And I think I did actually put Offer up in there. But, yeah. So, what do you... So, Aaron... Or, Jaime, anything... Any comments on that? No? Do you care? Let's see. I'm taking a quick look. So, I, I, I do find it interesting with the social proof thing because... I checked out Facebook and Twitter, who apparently do not have social proof <laughs> on top of their description. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Oh, Offer yeah, is going to be plus. It's good. I don't get how it's doing some of these things. So it says iOS support. The app hasn't been compiled for iOS 8. I wonder what they're doing to check, because that is not true. Really? Huh. Oh. Well, you know what? No, no. You know what? Maybe you're maybe because I got the same mark on one of our apps that that still supports iOS seven. It's even though it's compiled towards uh, eight point four or eight point zero, whatever eight point two. It's still because it still is compatible with iOS seven. I think we got knocked for that one, right? So, well, oh, man, they, no- they knocked ahead. us for being more supportive. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. By the way, Clash of Clans got an A. <laughs> Yeah, they're supporting iOS seven, so they got they got knocked for that too. They got the the sad trombone uh, as well, Jaime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So how do they get an A plus if they if oh I guess again I don't get it. Maybe because they're making too much money. <laughs> well, I mean that's really the the grade that counts, don't you think? Well, no. Well, yeah, it's it's the the overall rate number of ratings one million five hundred forty six thousand, and they've, their average rating is four and a half stars. That's pretty good. So I'm sure they got some one stars in there somewhere. Oh, there's one. Oh, no, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that you know when you when you look at some of the big boys, see how they come out, right? I wonder how. Um, no, I guess you can't rate apples on apps, can you? No. No. Oh yeah. Well, wait. wait let's try WWDC. Oh, there it is. WWDC. Let's see how it goes. Oh, they got a B. Apple got a B. <laughs> we better, Sick better, burn, bro. Better call up. Um, John Gillies and let them know that the rap got to be. Actually, right. no, it's not. Uh, it's um, the guy who did the talk that we talked about the other day, Dennis DeLong. Yeah. Dave DeLong. Dave DeLong. Yeah, he did the he did, he did the, the talk on NS operation. Yeah, and he talked about how they used it quite a bit in the in the WWDC app. But I guess the marketing marketing arm is. Uh, Quite Mind you, it's a very small audience that, that <laughs> Apple's catering a WWDC app to, right? That's a niche market, don't you think? Feels big to me, but yeah, you're probably right. 
feels way too big. <laughs> yeah, no, it's what 160,000 targeted market there, I guess. But that's so sorry, which, really which, like uh, WWDC app. Yeah, it's for yeah. developers, right? So, or how big? How big yeah. do you think it is? I heard somewhere like when, in terms of the amount of people that applied for tickets, I think I the number I saw was it was less than two hundred thousand. So, in terms of wow. ra- or around there, somewhere around there, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a big a huge pool, but I mean it's a large pool to be able to pull five thousand tickets from, right? For sure, that's sure. like less than one percent chance. Is that not, is that right? Wait, you think I'm a come math on, person? math people? Hello. Look, there's a guy hey, with a Jaime, doctor Jaime in front of his name. Jaime, Jaime, do a quick bubble sort for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so just look, just just think about it. So what would 1% of, of 100,000 be? It would be... Uh, a thousand. It would be a single, a single thousand, right? <laughs> so 1% of 200,000 would be 2,000. Okay. And if that's 5,000, right? Yeah. Then it's, you know, a little over the... 500,000? No, no, no. No. Okay, kids, put your calculators away. Let's go on with our podcast. This is getting stupid. <laughs> Jesus. I was waiting to be schooled on math by the CI guy. Or no, it's guy. too late. You've, you've been schooled <laughs> in your ignorance. All right, so, uh, Aaron, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, where would they go? Go to Twitter, at Aaron Vey, or visit my website, magpievideo.com, and be sure to download version 1.1 of Magpie for iOS. Just came out tonight. Don't forget to leave a review Don't on for- iTunes. Oh, yes. Good point. Yeah. yeah. And Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you, where would they look? On Twitter, at Dev with a Hair. Cool. And are you still looking for iOS developers? We absolutely are. We are looking for all sorts of developers and engineers. Okay. And how would they find out information about that? Offerup.com slash jobs. There you go. All right, and Mark, uh, down in San Jose, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Mark R. at smapsoft.com. Cool. And my name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario. I'm T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter, and I am found on my website, it-guy.com. And I guess that's it. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, yeah, that, that said, I mean, recently I've gone to Amazon. .ca, which is the Canadian wing of, of Amazon. And yeah, I think people at, know that. Looked at well, looked at looked at price. Well, look at you pricing. guys are Canadian. I, I no, <laughs> really, it's Sorry. so true, and and you can tell by the .ca at the end of the domain name. Anyway, my point. I just get the feeling that um, uh, Jaime can't hear us. Yeah, no. Yeah. Actually, I just came back. I had a weird oh. glitch. Okay. So speaking of uh, receiving things from a singular source, uh, <laughs> like my internet service. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just like that.
Is Jaime supposed to answer that question? Habla espanol, Jaime? No, I I really don't. But okay, so (sighs) Cabo. I thought maybe you said like Caballero, which would be like cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess. I don't know. I I, I butchered it. (laughs) I did did my best uh, Looney Tunes inspired French or uh, Spanish. Hmm. Because. Up here, when we when we used to get Sesame Street, we they would only sh- they would show us American and they would teach us Spanish, right? Whereas all of our Canadian t- broadcasting would teach us French. So so Canadian kids for a while in the seventies and eighties were pretty pretty much trilingual as far as you know. Oh yeah, totally trilingual. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. I could, like yeah, I could so. talk anywhere in the continent. <laughs> that and Dora the Explorer. Yeah, you could count to ten, and you could <laughs> exactly. Oh, Dora the Explorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she actually speak? Yeah, because they oh, all... Oh, she's all Spanish all the time, man. Is she? Well, it's, oh, not, all, yeah, it's not in Spanish, but no, there's a lot no, of Espanol no. in there, yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Let me guess. It's a point-and-click, bouncy, retro game where you shoot stuff. It's not point-and-click, but it is a retro-style <laughs> game where you shoot stuff. You run and shoot stuff. I love yeah. shooting stuff. Shooting stuff is good, yeah. It's almost as good as sportsing. So were you you were on the show last week? No, you weren't on the show last week. Can't Mark. remember anymore. No, last you weren't because uh, Greg was on oh, with Greg, his yeah, fire yeah. alarm, if you recall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toronto going episode. up in flames. Yeah, it's actually it a burnt cinder. Hmm, who can tell? So we were talking last week about the uh, the fault in uh, that goes from I guess Vancouver to Oregon and uh, will throw um, Seattle into the sea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not as sorry as I is. <laughs> Do you habla espanol, Mark? Uh, a little bit. No, I'm gonna say no. Eh? Basically, no. Yeah. Okay. I know enough to order a beer and find my way around the streets and order a burrito. 